Today on The Breakdown, it's another Jason Kunific hand. He plays a hand in a way that only he can. That's right. <laughs> it's Jason Kuhn, everyone. He makes brainy plays. He makes brawny plays. He's smart and he's big. <laughs> anyway, there's five. I don't know. There's five left in this $25,000 No Limit Hold'em final table situation. This just played out, uh, by the way, in late June. This is the Poker Go Cup. And, uh, well, Jason Kuhn is going to be faced with a serious decision. Let me say that. And I will say I am a little bit perplexed as to how he came to what he ultimately came to. I'm really excited to talk about this on the breakdown because I just don't understand how he got to this decision. I really would have thought he would have gone in a different direction. Now, he's Jason Kuhn and I'm not. So I fully acknowledge that, you know, I'm sure he has really good reasons for his thought process here. But one of the things we do on this podcast is we try and figure out why the great players do what they do as best we can anyway. And we're going to delve into it right now. We're going to dive into it like Scrooge McDuck into some gold coins here on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. <laughs> Getting longer and longer. That wasn't that long. Uh, maybe it wasn't that long. I'm just thinking because I edited one of our podcasts a little bit ago, and I was like searching for when the opening ended. It just kept not happening. <laughs> I think it was like two and a half minutes. Yeah, this one was like a minute 15. Like, okay. Give me a break. I mean, we've, we've escalated. Three yeah. years ago, we were probably averaging 30 seconds. Well, I was just describing the situation and not making it, and not sort of just... Going wildly off and the rails at any chance. Jason Kuhn file a restraining order against you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even know what I said. I don't even know what I'm saying at any point anymore. That's, that's where I live. That's my, that's my house. I guess there's some freedom in that. Oh, there's massive freedom. But is there true happiness? I mean, without liberation, there cannot be satisfaction. It, was it Gandhi or Chuck E. Cheese who said that? <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese probably said that. <laughs> I mean, an animatronic Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. So programmed by humans. If you so, Gandhi. so Gandhi. So <laughs> Gandhi. Sure. Gandhi, little known, was an excellent programmer. <laughs> oh, wow. So who are you taking shots at next? Gandhi. Martin Luther King? You wanna, is he, he was not a good John programmer. John F. Kennedy? I'm going to be honest about Martin Luther King. Not a good programmer. <laughs> wow. So even worse. John F. Kennedy? Go ahead. I want you to he lop off his head, too. didn't even know what too. packet switching was, even though it was invented during his presidency. JFK... Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was Grant who said, uh, you thought that they, you wish JFK had gotten more bad things happened to him, right? That like killing him wasn't enough. Was that you who said that? I, you know, I can't know for sure. <laughs> the assassination <laughs> was too good for him. I, I mean, I, when those words came out of your mouth, but you meant it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do these things? I don't know. I don't know. It's you're, not. Grant didn't say that. He strange, thought it. He definitely thought it, but he didn't say it. You're a strange it. man, and I don't know what you have to live for. <laughs> <laughs> These are the moments. Yeah, this I is get... it. This is it right here. Okay. Good. Hey, we're playing uh, the 25K High Roller. Yeah, we sure are. It's and the Poker Go Cup, which is just one of the many series on Poker Go. It's like the U.S. Poker Open, the Poker Go Cup, the Flimdy Flamdy Bogobo. Here's a few things I want to say about Poker Go really quickly. Let's hear them. Number one, uh, they, their content is really good. Yes. Like, it's consistently really, really good. Um, that's number one. Number two, they're putting on more and more things like this now, because last month was the Poker Go U.S. Open. 
Now there's the Pokero Cup. I imagine they're just going to do monthly things until big tournaments come that they themselves, you know, don't have to put on themselves. Um, but this is really great television and great poker and for high stakes and with great players. It's, it's really fabulous. Uh, boy, I think they're losing money. Yeah. Boy, do Phil Helmuth, uh, Doug, Doug Polk talked about this in, in a recent video of his. But Phil Helmuth tweeted out about how like, people should appreciate Poker Go and not, not shit on them, basically, for like, things they don't like because Poker Go is losing so much money. <laughs> and I was like, classic Phil. Classic Phil. Build them up and break them down. Phil apparently has claimed he was a, an investor in Poker Go as ah. well. Um, but said they've lost a, quote, ton of money, unquote. Well, they do spend a lot of money on expensive things. Like their, their studio is literally attached to the Aria. That can't have been cheap to procure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, it's possible that they were originally doing it, you know, for free and like working Aria sponsorships. Remember, it was the Aria Super yeah, High yeah. Roller Bowl and stuff, but I don't know anymore because they don't call it that. No, so they who, don't. Who's to say? I mean, in fairness, Kerry Katz is like worth an incredible amount of money. He's the main owner of yeah. Poker Go. He can afford for Poker Go to lose money for a very long time. Yep. You know, so, so it's not that big a deal, really. But I'm not shocked that, they're, that they don't make money either. Like... Even $10, like the $10 a month thing is just a, it's a bit of a, um, a barrier to entry, I think, for a lot of people when like Disney Plus costs $6 a month, like right. Poker costing $10 a month. That feels like a, like a lot more considering like what you're getting. I mean, you could say you're getting all this poker content, true, but Disney Plus, you get like, you know, movies and stuff for your kids. It's specialized and content. It's worth more. Okay. But also, they're losing a ton of money, so yeah, they, I guess it isn't. Well, that's part of why it's specialized. Like that, they're losing money because it's specialized, because there's not a big enough audience. So you're saying it's just a bad business model? For now, it seems like that that's, might be the case. That's what I'm saying. Like To spend this much money on a poker channel might be a, a bad business model. May, there could be an end game, though. Yeah. You know, like, this isn't really the product in the end that they're doing. Like They're doing all of these tournaments. They're hosting these tournaments. Who's to say they don't enter the touring tournament game and start hosting huge tournaments? They have this brand name that everybody yeah. knows. They could make that. Those are very profitable businesses. Yeah. Like, how much money does the World Series of Poker make on its circuit events every year? Insane amounts of money. That's true. They do incredibly well. So I incredibly. think Poker Girl might be angling for that. It could also be um, di- a different thing they're angling for. Like, they can afford... Kerry Katz, for example, as I said, can afford to lose money for a long time. He's, of course... I don't know if he's a billionaire or not, but he, you know, he's made all his money on student loan stuff. So he's yeah. a horrible predator type, but whatever. He's got huge money. And, uh, and so like maybe he's just like, if we, we build this nice enough, I would think they would take more of a loss, more of a hit on the pricing though, so they could build up a user base and then they could sell it, right? If you make it, if you make it $4 a month, I think a lot more people would sign up. Well, I don't think the end game is to sell it. Well, that's like I'm saying. That, the end game might be a poker tour, you know? I mean, a poker tour, you don't make enough money on that. It's I worth... think you might make a, a ton of money if you have a huge brand name and you're doing a poker tour. I mean, not to, I don't want to go too deep into this because we got a tournament hand to talk about here. That's really interesting. But, like, we, we, you hold up the World Series of Poker circuit events as, like, very profitable, which yeah. I agree. Got to be profitable. I've seen, you know, I've seen how much juice they charge. But how much money do you think they're really making after they pay? Uh, that's true profit in one of those from that. Like, they do a stop. How much, how much money do they make? I mean, we have actually a little bit of an idea of this yeah. because we've tinkered with numbers relating to this. And we sure have. Take those numbers and expand them by a lot. Obviously, as you scale, your overhead becomes less. So I would guess, like, the Tahoe circuit stop, which, we yeah. went to, which is not one of the biggest ones. It's just a smallish one. Sure. I would guess the company, Free and Clear, 
gets at least 150k for let's say let's four, say you're like right four, four days of poker yeah I, I don't know but let that that doesn't sound crazy to me at all I, I, it I could be a lot more yeah it I wouldn't be, it could be 500 I thought you might say 500k yeah. let's say it's 500k yeah and let's say you do 10 of those a year or even 20 of those a year right 20 of those years 10 million dollars yeah. right that's fine but if you're Carrie Katz you've got this other very profitable businesses like that can't be your end game okay but hear me out okay that's just the circuit like yeah Poker Go, if they make a deal with a casino or something in Vegas, like how much is the win making every year during the World Series of Poker when they're hosting tournaments every day and having tons of cash games? They're going? doing very well. Yeah, like maybe the the goal is to get in in that type of scenario. I don't understand. Oh, you mean during the World Series? Yeah, yeah. That oh. Plus, oh, yeah. plus tours and everything. Yeah. It seems crazy to take on the World Series, but maybe if you're doing high roller stuff the whole time, and you could you could set up your schedule really carefully. I'm just not sure that this is the right model. Doug Polk talked about doing an advertised based model. That seems to make more sense to me. Um, Hulu's done very very well with that as a model. I know they also charge. Yeah. Um, Peacock has been trying to do just ads for free. That hasn't worked out super well for them. They're probably going to end up merging with one of the other streaming services soon. I'm just not sure that. This has worked. It's been a few years now of Poker Go and Poker Central. It's been like five years now. Yeah, Poker now. Central is what it used to be called. Yeah, and like I don't think they've ever made money. I think they're, they're just like hanging around hoping. Maybe they're waiting for poker to come back in the U.S. and then they think more people will watch or something. I just think the price point is really wrong. And it's either got to be free or significantly less. Um, I just don't or, – or maybe it's like you, you, you sign up for your poker site – and one of the things you get when you sign up by depositing is a free PokerGo subscription, you know, for a year or something like that. Maybe that's how it works. And then ACR or Harrah's or whoever pays PokerGo $5 every time, you know, and that person gets a free PokerGo subscription. Maybe. But, like, I'm just not sure that this model is, has worked, is working. But I do love the content. It's fabulous. Yeah, I don't know what the end game is. Yeah. But anyway. I mean, they may not know what the end game is either. They may just be like, let's build something that's good. And see what, what happens. And if you have enough money, you can do that. Right. I mean, obviously, it's different. But, like, the World Series of Poker has built such an incredible brand. Yeah. And they can make money no matter what happens. It's like, incredible. They're just, they're just set, you know? Yeah. The brand is so strong. Yeah. It's weird. Like, there was a, um, a tournament last night in the Portland area, which was a World Series of Poker seat. You know, like, like, you know, oh, like, cool. a, and like 50, you win a $1,500 seat if you win the tournament. And, you know, of course, they'll give out... How, multiples of that, depending on how much money was in the prize pool. But in Portland, they're not actually allowed to do that. They have to give you cash. Yeah. So really, it's just a tournament where first place can't be more than $1,500. Yeah. That's all it is. You know, and maybe there'll be multiple first place prizes of that much or multiple prizes of that much. And so, when, so it's just odd. But, like, but just by putting that name around it, it makes it more intriguing. Like when I first started, I was like, oh, that, maybe I should play that. And I was like, oh, it's just $1,500 for first. Yeah. That's all it is. Like, but it's the dream. You know? It's the, yeah. the amateur poker player's dream is to play World Series of Poker events. Sure. I mean, I remember the first time I, I won a bracelet event on uh, – when I say bracelet event, I don't mean winning a World Series of Poker bracelet event. I mean on Full Tilt Poker, which the, that's what they called it back in the day, which was their satellite. Yeah. You know, so I won one of those to get a $1,500 seat in the World Series. And I remember just being over the moon. It was so exciting. It was 2006. I remember the first time I went to the World Series. It's, it's, a, it's like a poker religious experience, you know? It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. The first time. Anyway. Yeah. So Poker Go may be trying to, to generate that level of well, devotion. I, ho- I just hope that if they have an end game, that, it's, uh, that they're dreaming big. Yeah. It seems like they probably are, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if they're putting this much money into it, I mean, the yeah. production value is incredibly high. It is super high. We've, we've like looked into stuff as far, like we've we make videos. They are not that quality, obviously, no. but like the cost of that type of equipment is exorbitant. Yeah, it is very expensive to do that type of thing. No doubt. Yeah. 
Anyway, here we are. Okay. And they're charging 25K, and all the, the big guns are coming out. Kerry Katz himself is playing. Does he have to pay rake? I don't think anyone's paying rake. Right. I, don't, I think these are all rake-free because they're televised. But would he if they had rake? Well, he would, quote, pay it, and they would sort of pay it back to him when, yeah. you know, when everyone else is getting sandwiches and stuff. And he would get a better sandwich. Of course he'd get a better sandwich. He's Kerry Katz. He, or he'd get a second sandwich. I'll tell you, it's one of those two. Better or more. He would, get a, he would get a sandwich so a student couldn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's not going to play this hand. Okay. Which was suggested by Casper Kwok and Chris Jones, two of the great ones. Well, hell yeah. Chris I Jones has been coming on strong recently. Really strong. Yeah. Casper Kwok, for a while, was like, you were talking about him in like hushed tones. I mean, he was special. Yeah. He was Shohei Otani. Wow. We just talked about that guy. I don't know anything about baseball, but apparently he's like the greatest baseball player I mean, of you, all time. I mean, you know a little bit about this guy. Yeah, I know that he's like, he can pitch really well and hit really well. I mean, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, good for him. That's Casper Kwok. Chris Jones, I mean, you're like a really good DH, Chris Jones. Really good DH, like hitting home runs. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, that's, that is pretty good, right? Yeah. And also, of course, one of the participants of the Rec Poker podcast. Oh, yeah. Which is a group of fun guys talking about poker. You guys should check it out. Anyway, let's talk about this hand. Okay, let's do it. Jason Kuhn, always at the final table of every tournament he ever attends. That's what they say about him. It helps when you play high rollers. Uh, With five remaining, so we uh, six got paid. We're in the money. It was a 25K buy-in. The current payout is 72K, so it's not going to really jazz any of these guys up too much. First place, though, $324,000. Yeah, worth having. Yeah. Also, there is uh, some other things in play here. Like, you can win the player of the of the event of the, of the poker cup. And I think that's an extra bonus too. And oh, yeah? a few people are in play for that. How much do you get for that? It's a great question. I don't know the answer. It can't just be a trophy, right? It's gotta be at least do a little get, something. Do you get money for being world series of poker player of the year? You used to get nothing. I think there was, then there's a while when they gave you a Jeep and I think they went, they've gone back to giving you nothing. Hmm. So well, like prestige, all, you, you get prestige and all the side bets that you had, if you had side bets, right? Often, a lot of people have side bets. There's a lot Phil of side Ivy, bets Daniel out there. Negreanu, people yeah. like that love to make side bets on that stuff. Yeah, but like people really care about that. But I think like the year Phil Helmuth didn't win it because uh, what's his name did instead. Greg. Uh, oh, Greg Merson. Greg Merson won the last two events. Yeah. Uh, so he won instead. Uh, Helmuth was very upset about it, but I don't think Greg Merson got anything at all except. Well, he got all the, the like, money from those last two events. And he got like his yeah that, a lot I mean, of money. That's good. No, that part's good, but he doesn't get anything extra. Is my saying. Well, no matter how many, how many people don't want it, Chris Ferguson always wins player of the year. That's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Every year. Yep. Anyway, Jason Kuhn. Okay. He's on the button. He is second in chips with $1.15 at the 20K big blind level. So, you know, over 50 bigs. Living large. He's going to open with Ace of Diamonds, Queen of Spades to 40K. Cool. So far, so good. John Reardon, who kind of, I guess, has come out of nowhere to be playing all of these events. He's... He's got a million hand in, but he's playing you know, a bunch of high rollers, so maybe he's a cash game pro. Maybe he has his money from something else. We don't really know much about him besides that, right? Yeah, I mean, he won the, in June, he won the $10,000 Big Bet Mix event at the U.S. Poker Open for $163K. Um, he finished second. Oh, this is back in 2018 now in a potlum on Omaha, Bellagio, 10K. He plays a lot of like 10Ks, basically. You know, and, and he won uh, a WSOP circuit main event Oh, back in 2011, but for $200,000. So those are like his biggest scores. So we, we based, on, based on that and based on his play, not just in this hand, but in some other hands too, I think he's a cash game, no limit pro. Okay. Yeah. The, his tournament resume doesn't suggest that he would be able to afford to play all of these events. 
Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, he might just be a cash game grinder type. Cool. Anyway, he's in the small blind. He is the chip leader with 1.5 million. Yeah. So doing quite well. He's going to three bet 260K with King of Diamonds, 10 of Clubs. So 4Xing Coons Open. Obviously, nothing to say about Coons Open. What do you think about the three bet with King 10 off here? I'm totally fine with it. I think it's, I think it's good. I like the sizing. Um, I like situationally. I really like it. Yeah, what are you supposed to do as Coon? Like, can you ever four bet in this situation? Um, With Ace Queen. I mean, we've got 50, almost 60 blinds here. Yeah. I don't think it makes any sense to four bet at all. Also, have we talked about the, uh, the ICM situation in terms of what the other short stacks are at the table? Because I think there are significant short stacks, oh, right? I can probably find I'm that. almost sure there are. Um, which is going to play into this as well. Certainly, Kuhn is not a massive short stack anymore. He was to start this uh, event, or the final table. There's one player with uh, 15 blinds, Yeah, but the next shortest stack has almost 30, so it's not that short. Not that short, but 15, a 15-blind 15 stack could be gone in a blink, right? That, guy, that guy's three-betting all in or sometimes even just shoving a lot. Um, so, like, Kuhn, Kuhn should be aware of that from an ICM point of view anyway. Yeah. I think this is just a super straightforward call on the button with ace-queen. Like, don't you? Depends. I mean, like, disregarding the situation where Kuhn is second in chips and this guy's first in chips. Yes. If this guy's been hyper-aggressive, I mean, we have to have some four bets that feel like value, and maybe we expand that a little bit, you know? The problem is, is this value if we're actually four betting this hand? Like, what are we... Value means if we get called, we're happy. Or we can... Like, we're never happy if we get called. If we yeah, shove no, 55 it's blinds. It's true, and I default to that as well. It's just... It, it kind of exemplifies the power of this three bet in yeah. this exact situation when you're the chip leader and you're three betting the second and chips person. Like if Kuhn had 30 blinds, he could just jam it and be happy. Exactly. Right? You know, exactly. But this is the, the right guy to do it against. Cause you get to see a flop with your King 10. If he's going to call instead of like, maybe you get four bet by the very top of the range and a few combos of, of bluffs, but mostly you're just going to get to see a flop or take it down right now with a hand that it, it's not an incredible hand, but it rates to be better than Kuhn's opening range on the button. It, it does. Um, also, situationally, I don't know if Kuhn even has bluffs, like four-bet bluffs here. I know he's supposed to, but in reality, with a 15-blind stack, does he actually? If he does, he probably has less bluffs than, than like a perfectly balanced spot because who wants to be balanced here? You know? There's now, so few spots where you can actually be perfectly balanced yeah. in tournaments. Like In cash games, sure, you can do it all day. Of course. Um, there's probably not many tables that you would want to, but you could, and it wouldn't hurt you in any way. Right. But like in tournaments, it's almost impossible to find spots where you're supposed to be perfectly balanced. It's like if you're at a table with a bunch of really good grinders the first day of the main event where it plays basically like a cash game. I mean, look, if you're Jason Kuhn and this guy's been three-betting your button opens constantly, sure, you're going to take ace-five suited once in a while and jam 50 blinds, effectively. You're good. Eventually, you're going to do it. I, I do believe that. But if this guy's being in any way reasonable with his frequencies, you just can't do it, I don't think, in this spot. You just have to fold ace-five. Like, I just think you almost never can jam there because... Can you call ace-five suited? You're Jason Kuhn in position. I mean, you're putting in so many chips, though, aren't you? You're putting in uh, eight blinds. There's going to be uh, 320, 340K in there, and we started with 115. I don't think we can do it. Like, if we flop an ace, what's going to happen? We're just, we're just going to go broke? No, we're going to win. <laughs> actually but you know what i'm saying yeah like, like I, th I think i think our hand we just need to be deeper i think we just fold the ace fives of the world see yeah. i feel like i i get everything you're saying but this ha this has to be wrong yeah. this entire thought process just absolutely has to be wrong we're fucking something up right yeah like as the entire poker community the high rollers included if we can't find enough four bets in spots like this we're doing it wrong we have to be 
It's too, it's too exploited. I agree a million percent with you. Yeah. A million percent. I think, in fact, like these days, even the really good players have gotten even tighter with their ICM stuff. And I think it's probably because they run all the numbers and right. they're like, well, I'm supposed to only call with kings here yeah. and stuff like that. And um, as someone who used to play online sit and goes all the time, and so I was in bubble spots constantly. You know, I'd be playing four at a time and I'd play all day long. So I was always in these, you know, there were five left and four paid or whatever it was constantly. It was really like four left and three paid, but whatever. Um, and there are certain spots where like you're just only supposed to call off with kings. Yeah. Uh, kings plus, you know, and like you can't do that in practice. I mean, you do it for a while, but then it, when you're playing against the same guys over and over, those guys know what your what your calling ranges are too, and they abuse you so bad that you gotta call wider. Other, otherwise, they will take you to town They're just every time. Money. They're just right, part, yeah. and they know that, and and you have to you guys have to show them you can't do this with your entire range. You can't just take everything and jam on me every time right. from small, small blind to big blind. I'm calling with more than just two combo or two pair. Sorry, aces and kings basically, just two hands. I'm calling with a lot more than that. You know, I'm gonna have to call with ace king. I'm gonna have to call with jacks. I'm gonna have to call with nines. I'm gonna have to call with tens. I'm gonna have to call with queens and more stuff. I'm gonna expand that. So that way you're going to be upset sometimes and I'm going to lose sometimes, but we play this. This is an iterated game. I can't let you do this to me for the next, not just now for the next year, you're going to do this to me. And now you'll, and I'll slow down. If I call once, even if I lose, you'll slow down. Right? So I agree with you that everyone gets so tight that someone should be trying really hard to take advantage of it. And it shouldn't only be the chip leader. And like the fact that the chip leader is taking advantage of it is something we should be able to take re advantage of by, by going against them. I agree with you though, because like, we see it happen over and over again. And it always feels right. Like we've we've talked about many uh, main event final table hand where the chip leader is is three betting a medium stack, which at the main event final table is usually around fifty bigs. Yeah, and it's like, what are you supposed to do when yeah. you have ace jack off? It's just hell when there's like other stacks that are shorter than you. Right. I mean, I think you're supposed to fold it a lot, and then once in a while jam it. Right. And I'm not sure that there is a solution besides just cowing to the situation and being like, okay, there's nothing I can do. Like, is I, I understand all the points you made about the sit-and-go stuff, but let's talk about specifically multi-table tournaments. Okay. The chip leader versus the second and third biggest stacks type scenario. Like, the second and third biggest stacks are just bending to the chip leader's will constantly if the chip leader's willing to do it. Yeah. What is the proper response? The like, proper response has to be not to bend. It has to be, right? But it... But everybody does it, and including right. the really great players. I know. And there's a great reason for that, of course, which is ICM and the scenarios that you put yourself in in the future if you lose not even your whole stack, but just part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I wonder how much of it is about, I mean, look, a lot of these guys have run this, these numbers. So I think, I mean, they, they really argue, and I've seen like really good players say to me or talk about like how you just have to fold basically everything in, in all these spots, you know, and Every part of me wants to like fight that. Yeah. Every part of me. But then I remind myself, these guys have looked at the numbers. Like they aren't, this is not like a field player. I'm right. the field player in this spot. They're not, you know? Right, of course. And I don't want to be the field player. I want to be the math guy. <laughs> but, um, but it feels so wrong to let like uh, Maria Konnikova or whatever just run all over not the Maria. bubble. <laughs> Who am I thinking you're, of? You're thinking of Maria Lampropoulou. I am. I am. You're right. Maria Konnikova I, wrote that book. No, she also won. Oh yeah, but she didn't. But she I don't didn't, think she was, like ran over the bubble no. the way Lampropoulou did. I am hundred percent thinking of Lampropoulou, where she just basically raised, and if someone called, she bet the flop, and if they called, she bet the turn. If they called, she moved them all in on the river, yeah. basically with hundred percent of her range for like a solid thirty minutes, forty minutes. It was straight. very effective, and everybody bent no matter what. Even the good players who have money, like David uh, Vamplu, 
did that with like top pair. He like went call call fold and stuff like that. And it's like I don't understand. Like it's just the math. you can you can afford to not hit this like min cash. Like you don't need this twenty thousand so bad. Like what's I don't get it. Well, and that's, yet, it's the same. It's kind of the same thing. Same philosophy behind like rich people are actually kind of stingy. It's a similar philosophy. Like it's like you become rich by making good decisions yes. with money over and over again. Right. Right. Which is what Van Flew's doing in that case. Right. At, uh, against the field, against the world. Like he's he's got a slightly higher expected value playing it that way than taking a stand. Right. You know. Right. It, it's not about taking a stand necessarily as a whole, but. Maybe we need to find a way, or maybe it's impossible, but for, especially in these final table scenarios, for the, the slightly smaller than the biggest stack people to take a stand, a specific way that, that works. And I don't know what that would possibly be. I mean, you know, you feel dumb when you're the guy shoving. Like, sh- being the guy who shoves Ace Queen, going back to Jason Kuhn's exact situation, now we're setting up a spot where, um, like, all the, all the bluffs fold and all the super strong hands call. But yet we're taking a stand and we don't allow like any more cards to come out. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Is that good or is that bad? Like I hate shoving 50 blinds into an eight blind stack, effectively shoving 50 blinds. Right. Because we make it 20. I mean, are we going to make it 22 and fold? I don't know. Maybe we are three betting a ton. What does he do if we make it 17? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he shoves sometimes if he has, if he has an ace. I don't know. Yeah. If he does, that's, that's really rough. If we're going to, if we're going to four bet fold and now we're JC Tran, you know, at the, at the uh, main event final table with, uh, what was it? Pocket sixes? Ace queen. With ace, ace queen. queen, actually. Yeah. Farber had sixes. Right. Yeah. Where Farber like clicked it back and Jason and like Jason Stream was getting an amazing price just to call and see a flop. But now he thought he was against aces and kings for sure. Like, why open that up? Why not just see a flop? This is why the easiest decision is just to call with ace queen here. Yeah, I right? agree. And you get to play post flop, you're Jason Kuhn. You're in position, you're Jason Kuhn. Which if you're Jason Kuhn or guys like Jason Kuhn. Being in position and being deeper is better anyway, right? It just means you're going to lose this pot a lot. You're going to lose eight blinds a lot because you're going to miss a Those lot. Those eight blinds matter a lot too, Yeah, you know? I don't know. I feel like there should be more four bets in this scenario. And maybe we can even four bet fold because of ICM. Like, we don't have hmm. to be a complete, like, completely just held down by the math of the exact hand, right? Like, there's right. an overall situation here where we have a skill edge. The table's still going to be wide open for us to to do other stuff to it if if we just lose, like, 18 blinds here. You know, we can still do stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's also true about eight blinds, though, right? And then we get to see the flop, and we get to play in position, and we get to be Jason Kuhn. Yeah, but we get to win pre-flop a lot I know. by four betting. Also, we send a fucking message. Yeah. Like, stop this shit. Yeah. You know, and like if the guy sees, which he will in 30 minutes, see that we had ace queen, he's going to be like, oh, you're not just going to fucking roll over with ace queen or just call with ace queen. You're going to push back, which means you're going to push back with some other hands too. And this isn't going to be as easy as I want it to be. And maybe maybe he'll four bet us or three bet us a little bit less, which is powerful. All of this said, it's hard to think of a scenario in which I'm in a similar stack situation where I wouldn't call with ace queen. It feels like the only option. I agree. Ace queen especially feels like exactly the right. It sucks because we know what's happening here and it's like there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, we can call and see a flop with a really good hand in position. Yeah, that's nice. That's that's something. But we give the guy a free shot in our eight blinds. I know. You know? I know. It sucks. Um, you know, there's something to be said for being a total psycho on the bubble. Yeah, and of course. even being a total psycho, not as the chip leader on the bubble, you know, even into the chip leader where, you know, like the chip leader, like... You've been you've been the big chip stack on bubbles, so have I. Where we've been, but where we've been bullying the hell out of them, right? Yeah. I remember doing it multiple times, and there are times where I'm like raising. I still remember this really clearly, actually. This one Aria tournament that I ended up winning back in like whatever 2017 or whatever 2018. You remember this, right? Yeah. Um, where like I, I won a huge pot off the chip leader, where I, where I bluffed him on the river. I shoved the river, and he, and he folded, and then I just started raising every hand because we were on the bubble. 
And I remember raising and being like, this is so obvious. Yeah. And like, and I had, you know, I never actually had a hand of any kind, but even if I would have had a pretty good hand, like everyone was so cowed because they wanted to make the money that like, it just didn't matter. You no, know, it's, like, it's very effective. It doesn't matter how obvious it is. It's hard to get over that mental hurdle. Right. And then, but I remember sitting there thinking like, boy, if anyone shoves, like, what can I even call? What, like, what range could I call with? Like, because they always have it if right. they shove. Like, they always, always, always have it. Like, if I have two eights here, should I even call if someone shoves? Maybe I, depending on how much, of course. But if they shove for any real amount of money, I think I just have to fold eights. Yeah. Because, like, it's the same as king nine off. Like, they just have, they're dominating me or I'm in a, or I'm in a flip. And I'm, they're almost always dominating. I don't think they're shoving ace queen usually, you know? Like they have like ace queen, ace king, and all better pocket pairs. Basically, if I've got pocket eights, I think they're probably and they may fold nines and they may fold tens. You know, they're they're folding sevens a lot, like all that kind of stuff. So, so so being on the other side of it, it's it's funny because it feels like it's so easy to play back against me here. Like I feel so naked, but it doesn't matter exactly. So I'm saying like being on the other side of it. Maybe you're right. Maybe the four bet clickback is is a powerful. Method. You make it 17 blinds. Of course, the problem is there are certain hands that are now forced to call us, and now we have to go see a flop, right? Yeah, but we're against those hands that are forced to call us, in our quotes. Like, we, we have pretty good equity against that range. We do, and we have a pretty good sense of what that range is. And we're is, in position. So. Yeah. It's not so bad. It's not too bad, but we are going to go bust sometimes in spots where we wouldn't have otherwise, yeah. which it's, sucks. It's just, I just want to find a way to combat it. This is, this is a way of fighting back, though, what you're saying, instead of just, like, sort of taking it by calling, which is what... I don't know what else to do with ace-queen here except really call. I mean, I would absolutely call. Yeah. Uh, of course I would. Like, you hate clicking it back to 17 blinds and getting shoved on with ace-queen because now you have to fold unless you're sure this guy's got a lot of... Bl- like, you really have to fold ace-queen. You do. I mean, like, you have... Maybe you get lucky and he has ace-10 or ace-jack, but, like, he could, he could show up with king-six and you're like, well, I, it's not that good. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, it's, it's just not... And, of course, he could have a real hand, too. He could have ace-king. Yeah. Yeah. And you're screwed. Yeah. You know, he could, have, he could have kings and you're yep. screwed. These things happen. By the way, being in a flip ain't that great either if you're thinking about the ICM stuff. It ain't, it ain't ideal. Maybe, maybe the bigger takeaway is the other side of it is just that when you're in a position to be aggressive in a poker tournament and it makes sense, do it even if it feels wrong. Yeah, like, do I, it a lot. I'm sure I've told this story before, but like, I think it was 2018. The first time, it was the only event that summer at the World Series of Poker that they did Big Blind Annie. It was one big blind Annie. It was new and exciting and fun and not everybody was on board yet. So they tried in one event, this 3K event, and... I was at this table that had Michael Ruan at it, the guy who um, made the straight flush against James Opst. Oh, wow. And he also had incredible runs back-to-back in the main event. He got, yeah, like, 11th he and did. fourth. Yeah. That's right. So very good player. It doesn't matter. He's Anyway, our, blind, our, our, our table had, like, players between 20 and, and 50 big blinds. And this guy comes in with just racks and racks and racks of chips. And I think he had something like 180 big blinds. On the, and we're on the bubble. We're on, like, four from the bubbles when he got there. He's this really nice, gregarious guy, but he just sits down, and before he's unracked the chips, he raises without looking at his hand, and he starts talking about the money, and he says, like, $4,500, that's more than my first car cost, you know, because that was the min payout, and he just says that every time, and he keeps raising and keeps raising, and it works on everybody, including Michael Ruan. I mean, like, I I never had a hand. I'd like to think I would have fought back if I had a hand. Uh, Michael Ruan probably never never had a hand either, but this guy literally raised 100% of hands until the bubble burst, and... 100% 100% of hands, he took it down. I mean, it's, it's a little weird, right? When you know he's raising 100% of hands and still... I mean, I understand you and Michael Ruan didn't have a hand, but that you guys still choose not to fight back when you know he's raising 100% of well, hands. Well, the deal. For, for me, I was on his direct left, which made it a little Ah, uh, that does make it yeah. tougher. Yeah. Yeah, because there's players behind me of with course. short stacks and Of course. Stuff. Um, 
I'm not blaming you for this yeah. by any means. Don't get me wrong. But like it's but the psychology is so powerful is more my point yeah. of like if you know he's doing 100% and let's say you're Michael Ruan or even you because sometimes he's going to be in late position and doing this too, right? If he's yeah. doing this for a few orbits. I, um, I was really planning on it and every time it would of be course. like 7-4 off. No, like I understand. I, yeah. I'm sure you're looking for any ace and yeah. probably any reasonable king. Yeah. Um, or maybe Queen Jack even, stuff like that, right? Um, anything with any kind of blocking. But still, like... If you know everyone else is being this this uh, passive, and this guy's being is going to play one hundred percent, you could also take any two cards in theory. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you should. I'm really not. But I'm saying like it's fascinating that like our minds either don't allow us to go there, or we're not willing to actually execute something like that. Well, this guy you know? was really interesting because because he was friendly, but he was also very threatening. Like in, his language was threatening, but his tone was not. Yeah. Where like somebody would think for a while and be like, if you three bet, I'm going to four bet all in. He would just, <laughs> he would just say that. <laughs> yeah. And he never had to. No. That no is really it never incredible. happened. And it's, I think that was a great example of how like he's telling everybody what he's doing and it still works. Yeah. It's like, amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded a little bit of, uh, I actually talked about this on a very recent podcast, uh, but I was in this main event at Chinook Wins, and Angela Jordanson was at my table. She's the person who famously won three tournaments in a row back mm-hmm. in the day and sort of got a little poker famous from that. And she had built up a really big stack. I was like three to her left. And so she started three-betting the table. Nothing like this. And we weren't even on the bubble. Just once she built up her stack, she just started three-betting like a lot, huh. like a lot. And uh, I was since I was to her left, it didn't really affect me that much. You know, like she wasn't three-betting my opens, mm-hmm. and I three-bet her a little bit. Um, but like not much in fairness. Uh, but the point is, so after we were on break at one point, I went up to her and we were talking and I said like, you're really going for it with the three bets. And she looked at me and she said, I get away with whatever the table lets me get away with. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really good philosophy, man. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. And this is like, that's what's going on with this kid. Right. And that's what we're talking about in general. Like the table's going to allow it. It's going to happen. If you're, if you're the, if you're up against the right type of player. Yeah. I think there's a fallacy in tournament poker that, it's supposed to be equitable. Everybody's supposed to have their shot to win hands, right. right? Like, and no, it doesn't have to be. Like, first of all, you could run hot and get a lot of good cards, or you could just bully the table and people will be unwilling to fight back. And then that it doesn't have to be equitable. Right. You, you can do what you want. Everyone's so afraid of busting that they're not willing to fight back. And it's weird because on one level, there's a point when you get close enough to the money or the money jumps get big enough that there is, there's, there's reason to be afraid of busting there, right? And especially based on your chip stack. But... Then you let someone else destroy. And if you start fighting back even a little bit, that's going to change that person's philosophy. Yeah. Like, by the way, the kid who was saying, I'm going to four-bet you all, and maybe he was going to. He might have. But also, he really might not have, and it's just a thing he says, you know? Because, like, that dissuades people, you know? He's like, oh, God. Like, uh, it's not worth it, right? And uh, it's like, we don't know what he's really going to do. It's easy to say that. It's another thing entirely to do it. So, I don't know, man. Like, I I wonder if there's just... uh, like, not being afraid to bust is a very powerful thing. Oh, yeah. Very, very powerful. And that, that's like, depending on the tournament that I'm in, I feel that, you know, to different degrees. You know, like when I was in the main event, I felt very afraid to bust when right. we were on the bubble. I, I, too afraid, quite frankly. Um, I never really had a spot to do anything anyway, but too afraid. And I, was, I remember resolving uh, afterward that I would never let that happen again, that I was going to fight back more no matter what, basically. Like, fuck that. Like, sure. I'd rather bust out and not make the $15,000 than, like, 
go down from like a reasonable stack to like a smaller stack because two guys are just bullying the hell out of the bubble, which is what happened mm-hmm. um, for like an hour and a half. It took fucking forever. The bubble always feels like it takes forever. Super rough. No, it was extra long that time for some reason too. I mean, obviously it was, it was as we moved towards the bubble yeah. too. Yeah. In the main event, just took forever. It's really frustrating. <laughs> um, anyway, so back to Jason Kuhn in this situation. Yeah. Uh, Feels like we have to call. Yeah, after all that, of course, calling makes tons of sense. There also are some hands where calls really, really work. And I think this is one of those, like, kind of a perfect calling hand, right? It's, like, really, really, really good. Suited would be a more perfect calling hand. Okay, but it's really, really strong. And it's the kind of hand where it's, like, at the tippy top of our calling range, basically, right? Like, this and, like... I don't know what pocket pair is at the tippy top of our tens or jacks. Yeah, we're definitely we're definitely going with queens. Yeah. We're probably going with jacks too. I would probably. Think. And I don't know what we're doing with tens. Tens comes back to like what we think. Mm-hmm. Probably mostly we're going with tens, but not a hundred percent, right? We could just call with tens if we want. I think we could just call with tens. Yeah. See, see if the problem with tens is like so often we're going to be in tough spots. But also we have over fifty bigs. You know. Yeah, we have too many bigs. You're right. You're right. This is the other thing that sucks is we put in a big four bet. The guy folds. We win eight blinds, which is great. Yeah, eight and blinds we, is a huge. And there's a huge metagame implication there. But, of course, the risk-reward is problematic in that we risk a lot more to win this much. That's no limit hold'em. That's how it works. that's correct. Anyway. All right. Anyway, Jason Kuhn calls because that makes a lot of sense. Of course he calls. What else could you possibly do? (laughs) So to remind everybody, John Reardon is in the small blind. He's the chip leader. He's three-bet with king of diamonds, ten of clubs. Kuhn opened and called with ace of diamonds, queen of spades. He's second in chips. Yeah. You'll never be second in chips again at Nitrogen Poker. No, you're always first. They guarantee it. Uh, in your own heart. That's that what it says in the asterisk. And they can't actually guarantee that you think that, but they, they guarantee that the heart valves believe in you. The heart valves. So the heart valves are not part of you? They are. This is but also they have their own sentience. This is it's scientific. I don't want to get into it. That's okay. for our science podcast. Okay, okay. We'll talk about sentient heart valves on the science podcast. Science and you with Grant Jonathan and Jonathan Levy. Oh, you think you're going to be on that podcast? That's interesting that you just assume that you're going to be on my science podcast. <laughs> I think I belong. Really? You didn't even know about sentient heart valves? Well, that's we all learn together. Guess who does know about that? Nitrogen sports. Nitrogen sports. Because they're smart. And maybe they're not that smart because they just give away money. You know, They just give money to you, the listener of this podcast, if you use the link in the description. There's free equity every month in the Poker Guys monthly tournament. The expected value is through the roof. Through the roof. For a gambling spot, it's amazing. It is. It's shocking. Yeah. There's nothing like it. It keeps happening every month. It's been years. Use the link in the description. That's the only way you access that tournament. They also do other fun stuff for the people who sign up through us, like uh, March Madness brackets or fantasy football stuff where they throw money in. It's cool. It's fun. It is. Get in there. It's also Bitcoin only. They give you your money fast. Yeah, they have sports betting. They got casino games. It's the whole freaking biscuit. All in one spot. With gravy. With, well, sometimes. Let's not overpromise. On weekends, there's gravy. Thank you. Asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> On weekdays, there's just a dry biscuit. You can't even get through a bite because it's just like you can't keep chewing. Yeah. But, you know, still, it's, it's nutritious. <laughs> you need it. Biscuit may or may not be sentient. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> All right. So Jason Kuhn, Ace Queen, on the button. <laughs> yeah. We just pivot between these things. I way. love it. John Reardon, King 10, small blind, three better. Pot's 360K. Okay. Flop is Jack of Diamonds, 10 of Diamonds, three of Clubs. Yes. So Reardon has middle pair with a king kicker. Kuhn has two overs with uh, the diamond for the ace. And Reardon, of course, has a diamond for the king. So they both have back draw, not flush draws. Or not in second, not flush draw. Is this an auto bet for Reardon? Or I could you check? I think you could check here. Yeah. 
I think we have a reasonable shareable hand we can absolutely call. We have an overcard, so there's even less to be concerned about. We block diamonds in case we're worried about him catching up through diamonds. We block king-queen, which is the straight draw. Yeah. Um, if we check, we can capture value through bluffs. If we bet, we're going to get rid of most of the worst hands. Not Maybe not the hand Kuhn actually has, depending on how we size it, but a lot of like medium pocket pairs, which just had to call us, are going to fold, I think, yeah. even on this board, because they just don't want to... Like, if you've got two sevens, what's the plan? Well, do you get value from two sevens by checking? Unless they hit a seven on the turn, then it's not value. They might bet to protect equity. When Against we check. what hand? Ace-king. Which doesn't bet this flop? Yeah, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, heads up. Ace-king's always betting this flop, yeah. isn't it? Okay, that's fair. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe we don't get value from two sevens anyway. What do we get value from? By betting or by checking? By checking. Uh, random bluffs. Like, if Kuhn has... I don't know if he's calling, but if he had, like, 7-8 suited, it's like a gutter now. I don't think he's calling. Because he's only... The, the stack to pot is, like, 3-1, to one, right? I don't know if he's going to even gonna bother. going to call with, like, Ace-8 suited preflop? Probably. I think so. I'm not 100% sure with the 15-blind stack what he's doing. Probably? I don't know. I'm concerned about what we're going to get called by if we bet, too, though. Like, yeah, Ace-Queen is probably going to call if we bet small enough. King queen, king queen. Call. Yeah, those hands have a lot of equity against us. Those hands are not folding no matter what, and, and could raise us. Right, and that those are the good hands, right? Like uh, all the other things that are calling us are probably bad for us, unless Kuhn has nine ten suited or queen ten suited. He could have queen ten suited. Yeah, but yeah, maybe nine ten suited. There's not much there. That's a weird spot. Maybe we maybe yeah. we continue because we're just going to continue kind of like all the time as the big chip leader. After we three bet from the small blind, we're this, that's just what we're doing. And so, I mean, that feels like Occam's razor for I the agree. situation. I agree. It's not, I don't really love that as an answer. But, and it's weird though, because it feels like we have to bet small, but it's not the t- board texture that you would usually bet small on. What's our plan if we get raised? Are we just folding on this wet board? We do have the king yeah. of diamonds, so we block a lot of the I bluffs. Think we have to, I think we have to fold. Ugh. I hate betting for quote value and then folding. You know, when we actually we have even, something. We don't even know why we're betting. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we say value, but is it value? It doesn't feel like value. Like, we have to get called by 9-10 or queen-10. Other than that, like, is Kuhn calling with two nines? Probably not. Probably he just might call once with two nines. If we bet small enough. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we should bet small enough to get called by two nines if yeah. we're going to bet. But, I mean, geez. There aren't that many. By the way, Kuhn might have four bet two nines. I don't right. think so, but he might. Probably not in this Probably spot. Probably not. I don't okay. think so. Fine, two nines can call us. And if two nines can call us, maybe two eights can call us if we're going to bet small. I think that's it. I don't think sevens are calling. I guess the better question is, like, is sh- we've shit on checking, and now we've shit on betting. Like, what's, what's the better thing to do? Right. The best reason to bet is because we would probably bet this board most of the time with our misses, right? The best reason to check is because it's incredibly hard to think of hands that are going to call us that we'd want to call us. Yep, those those are really good reasons. Also, if we bet, um, we get to like maintain control of the hand, yes. and there are really good outcomes that can occur for us if our hand improves, and Kuhn actually has us beat right now. Like There are scenarios where we get a big pot out of this. Also, is Kuhn going to raise us very much with a 15-blind stack in this spot? Maybe not, uh, you know, at the table. Maybe not. Yeah, if he has jack-10 suited or pocket threes, or maybe pocket tens, he might raise us. I'm wondering if he has king-queen, if he's actually going to raise. Now, we know he doesn't. Have, if he has king-queen, he can't also have this, the flush draw, because right. we've got the king of diamonds, but if he has king-queen, he's got overs in the open-ender. I don't think he's going to raise. He's him. probably just going to call because he's in position especially, yeah. right? So we get to see a turn card for whatever price we choose, and sometimes we get to improve. 
okay. It's not so bad. It's not terrible. I think it's okay to bet. I think it's okay to check. I think it's right. They both right. kind of suck on this board yeah. in this scenario. So I'm, I'm a, maybe Kuhn's going to call us a little bit lighter if he thinks we're always betting this board. And so that gives me a little bit more reason to bet too. Yeah. Like maybe he's going to call us with sevens be, once to see what we do, you know, and try and get to showdown cheap. Maybe. We can hope. Yeah. And Rudin does hope. He bets 90K into 360. I guess he's giving himself a chance. To get called by those types of hands. Yeah, he's betting four and a half blinds. Yeah. Nines probably have to call for 90 once, right? You'd One think. time. I think, I think you call once and pray the guy checks the turn. All right. This feels like a pretty straightforward call for Kuhn, right? Like, can we raise? It's kind of the same scenario as preflop, where raising feels like if it goes poorly, it's really bad. I don't know why we would raise. We have we got a shot to the nuts, which is pretty good. That but you know, that doesn't have to be when I say it now that I think about it physically. <laughs> got but... A shot to the nuts, which is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, depending on your proclivities. You're masochist, you know, it's fine. Um, but, like, you know, a, a king makes us, not the king of diamonds, but the other three kings make us the nuts. We have the ace of diamonds in our hand. We're not really afraid of a diamond coming off. Um, we've got really tasty overcards. We might have the best hand sometimes. We, by calling, we get to see what our opponent does on the turn. If, if we don't improve and he checks, we can decide to bet to try and win this pot. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if we do or not. We may think ace-queen is good enough to hold on, but then we may be in a tough river spot. instead. Of, but we may just bet small and see if we can you know, make it easy for ourselves. Um, it seems weird to raise when we have enough going on here, you know, and it's cheap enough and we can stay in position. We don't have to go through some ICM suicide spot. So I think I want to just call. I do. I just want to call. What do you want to do? Yeah, I think I want to call too. You're like, it'd be cool if he checked the turn though. Yeah. That would be great. I guess improving is fine too if you're us, but checking the turn would be really cool. Well, Kuhn does call. Okay. So we're playing it great. Good. The turn, oh, I didn't write down how much was in the pot now, but it's well, 540K. Okay. 540K in the pot now. Kuhn's got 900K remaining. Got it. The turn is juicy. It's uh, the Queen of Diamonds, the that, ultimate turn card for these hands. That is really incredible. So they both have Royal Flush Draws that can't come in. Reardon yep. has the only actual straight flush draw because Knight right. of Diamonds makes him a straight flush. But Kuhn has top, top, and the nut flush draw right now. Right. Kuhn has Ace Queen with the Ace of Diamonds on a Jack 10. Three queen, three diamond board on that same board. Rudin has king ten with the king of diamonds. What a sick card for Kuhn to have in his hand. The ace of diamonds is like the ultimate blocker. Yeah. You know, you block the flush, you block ace king. I mean, it's beautiful. All right. What do you do, John Rudin? Oh, my God. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. Like, okay. I, I think I want to check. Check I have, raise? I don't know. Like, let me just start. Do I even want to bet? If I bet, what good things can happen? Let's start with that. We could fold out a maybe a better hand. We could fold out a jack. jack. Yeah. Okay, that's a reason to bet. Fold out a jack. Um, but not that often. Like, does Kuhn have jack eight? I don't think so. He's got king jack, queen jack, ace jack, right? So queen jack is two pair. Ace jack, if it doesn't have the ace of diamonds, might fold. Yep. King jack probably can't fold, though, no, right? Probably not. Probably. And ace jack might call. Yeah. Might call. Even without the Ace of Diamonds, maybe, depending on... How, I guess if we size it big enough, it'll fold. But So, okay, so we can get a Jack to fold. That's a good thing that can happen. Is there anything else good that can happen? We could build a pot so that way if we get there on the river, we can maybe get more, but it'll be, the board will be scary. So maybe we get the money now, so that way when, we, when it comes in, we, we've already been paid because we, we, we assume we can't get paid if we get there. All right, but let me throw this out to you. What, yeah. if, what if we check in Kuhn bets half pot? What do we do then? Well, we're never folding. Yeah. That's clear. I think we just call, don't we? We're doing awful against his range. We are not doing well against his range. 
But we've got equity against this range. We have strong equity, don't we? Some. I mean, the problem is it's not the nut flush draw. As, okay. we see, as, as we see, that is a problem. Sure, but like Kuhn doesn't have the ace of diamonds that often. So what does he have? I mean, he could have ace, jack, ace, queen without the ace of diamonds. He could have those hands. Nope. I think, I think no question. No, he's not betting ace, jack without the ace of diamonds. Oh, if he bets. Yeah, he's betting. You're right. Actually, I don't even know if he's betting ace, queen yeah, without probably the ace not. of diamonds. He's probably just checking it yeah. back and like being Jason Kuhn. Like basically, I'll figure it out on the river. That's right? not being Jason Kuhn. That's just reasonable play. Okay. But I'm yeah. saying like, so that he trusts he'll be able to figure yeah. it out on the river. Um, could he ever bet two nines to try and fold out a jack himself or a 10 himself, something like that? Seems pretty ambitious. It does when you can just take the free card yeah. and sometimes make a straight and sometimes just have the best hand, right? Every, every decision Reardon's had post-flop is just like, every, everything seems shitty. Yeah. All the choices seem shitty. I don't like, I don't like any of it. Uh, targeting just a jack feels very optimistic, like, if we're like, let's get a jack to fold. Like, really? Right. But again, what I'm saying, let's, fi- let's finish this conversation. Okay. What are we expecting Kuhn to have if he bets? That, like, oh, yes, yes. Like, and what do we do against that range? Okay. Well, I think we, I don't love check raising all in or no, check raising. Doesn't seem right. Feels like we're putting a lot of chips in with a hand that has showdown value. And does that also, have showdown value against his actual range, though? I don't know. I mean, if nines and eights are around. Yeah, we but we don't small. really think they are. Well, we bet four and a half. But blinds. we don't think they're betting. We don't think they're nines. Might bet a little bit, but probably not. Yeah, against Kuhn's actual range that he bets here. Could Kuhn ever have like? He could have ace ten with the ace of diamonds, which is bad for us. Yeah, really, really bad yeah. for us. Actually, horrific for us. Yeah, that's one of the worst. That would be a hand we could get to fold. Uh, if we ch- only if we check raise though, if we bet, we probably are going to get called. Depends on how big Kuhn bets. I mean, he's got he's got like a little less than two times the pot. Yeah. He, he's going to have to call with Ace Ten with the Ace of Diamonds if he bets a lot of the time, and he's probably checking that hand back. By the way, I don't know if he's going to have to call with Ace Ten with the Ace of Diamonds. If he bets, name an amount that he's going to have to call with. How well, much is a bigger point? Is I think he's checking that hand back. I agree. I think he's going to check the hand back too. Like he's like, I'm ahead enough of the time, and I've got great draws, and I'd hate to, I'd hate to get blown off yeah. his hand if anything, right? Yeah. Uh, so what's Kuhn betting if we check? He's betting two pair. Two pair. He's betting. I don't know if he has sets. Maybe eight nine suited, which is a straight. Okay, he can have eight nine suited. Maybe once in a blue moon he can have a set of tens. Maybe he bets king queen top pair and open under. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he bets ace queen. Yep. Maybe. None of these hands are great for us. That is correct. Can we get those hands to fold if we check race? I think we can. If it's, yeah, a lot of the time we can. Almost, every, eight, nine ain't folding. No. Eight, nine's going to hate it, but is going to call. Two pairs going to call. I mean, two pairs like, I mean, ace, king got there, but I guess I have to call, right? I think two pairs just has to call. Also, you block some of the sets. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I think you're probably right. Two pairs has to call. Um, how about Jason Kuhn's exact hand? Ace, Kuhn, the Ace of Diamonds probably just has to call, right? You got, yeah. you got all the draws plus top, top. You're just going to have to call. You're like, I mean, I'm losing to some things, but I'm beating I mean, some things. it kind of sucks to block the nut blocker, though, as Kuhn if, in that scenario. It does, but it also is your escape hatch, yeah. you know, if stuff is re- going really bad. If you're up against two red kings, yeah. it's a pretty nice, like, it's a great card to have, right? Right, now you, you got eight a- outs. Clean well, also an ace. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. An ace is no good. No, just two kings, though. Two kings and and the ace. And, of course, another queen. Not the ace. Right. (laughs) I I meant diamonds. You're right. Two kings, the diamonds, and another queen. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, eight outs plus plus two is ten, plus two is twelve. Yeah, not great, but twenty five percent. I mean, that's actually pretty good if you know you're in a bad spot. Like to still have twenty five percent. It's yeah. great. I we, love having we, a quarter. We probably have to call if we're coon if we have. Yeah, if we get checkers with this hand. This hand is, this hand is just too good to like bet fold. All right. So all these options for Reardon seem kind of shitty. Yep. Hate them all. Let's talk about what he actually does and see if maybe this is actually the best option. Let's, fi- let's go. He moves in. I know. For 900K into 540, that's Jason Kuhn's effective stack this of 900. Is, when I first saw it, I was like, what is he doing? This seems really bad. But now that we're talking about all the lack of options here, maybe this is great. I don't know. I'm open to it now. I'm finally open to this being a good play because... What is what can Kuhn continue with? If he has King Queen, can he call? Well, we know he doesn't have the King of Diamonds, so probably yes, not. Yes, that's right. Now it's really tough. Yeah. And by the way, if we're called, we have outs. We know we have outs against everything, right? Except for the nut flush. Well, no. Oh, yes, that's true. The nut flush. Jason Kuhn could have the nut flush. He really could, but he's going to raise that a lot on the flop. Yeah, but sometimes he won't. Especially when we bet that small in this ICM spot, he may just flat with it sometimes. Yeah. It's true. But... Okay, the nut flush is a real problem. But so having, that's, that's a bit of a problem for this play, that Kuhn does have the nut flush in his range. Yeah, but he's got a lot of other things in his range, yeah. too. And he's going to play the nut flush aggressively at least some of the time, right? Yeah. If he's got ace, queen, and diamonds, he's probably just raising that on the flop. Like, let's go. Like, yeah. I flopped everything. Let's go. I don't want to Maybe this weird. Um, I mean, he could choose to just call that, I guess. But mostly he's going he's gonna to be aggressive. We know he can't have that now we're on the turn because, mm-hmm. of course, the queen of diamonds comes in. Um, Huh. So what do you think? What do you think about this play? I mean, like you said, on first inspection, it feels like, I don't know what to do, I'm all in. But that actually is probably what he's doing, is I don't know what to do, I'm all in, and it's actually maybe okay. Yeah. Because, like, checking, as we, we said, like, if Kuhn checks back, it could be okay. But if he bets, it's, like, kind of terrible. It's not great. And we you can't know? really fold our yeah. hand. But we're just kind of spewing equity against his range, which sucks. And betting normal can get us in some weird spots. Like, if he shoves on us, we probably have to fold. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think we do. And we he do. could have a hand that's just like a semi-bluff some of the time here. And what, What's the semi-bluff? Hard to come up I with I guess one. it would be better than our hand, like ace-10 with the ace of diamonds. It would be better than our hand. So it's okay to fold against that range. I mean, if, we wanted, if he wanted to get really whack, he could have two red nines and make a crazy play because he blocks straights and flushes, but I don't think he would do it because he's on the bad end of both of them. I would, yeah, I wouldn't expect it. So, yeah, so I think, I think when we're shoved on, we're kind of always behind. Right. The problem is we're giving up all this potential equity, too. Obviously, yes, the ace of diamonds could be in his hand. It is, and that would be bad for us equity-wise, but we, we don't, we're blind to that, and he could have a lot of other hands, too, that don't have the ace of diamonds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the bigger point, I think, is if we bet normal, like, we're, we're not getting value, really. We're only hoping for our hand to improve if we get called, because we're not getting value currently. No question. I wasn't even sure if we are getting value the first time we bet, yeah. let alone this time. So maybe this is card. the best play, to just move in and be like, you're going to fold a lot of hands that are better than my hand right now. Yeah. And by the way, if I get called, some of the time I can get there and be okay. Yeah, unless you, well, unless you snap call, yeah. like, I got reasonable outs. Like, I'm at least open-ended, and I often have the, the flush draw, too. Yeah. And, by, and pair outs, probably, yeah. too, you know, like almost always. So maybe this is the best play? Just like you figure it out, buddy. Like, this I is super it, hard. I you think figure it, it might out. be. That's crazy. I can't believe this ended up being the best play that we think, that yeah. we come to that. I'm really shocked because I was like, this is terrible when I saw it. Like, this is just awful. But I no longer think that. Yeah, it might be good. Unfortunately for Reardon, Kuhn has got one of the hands he probably can't fold. Well... Can he, though? Well, let's talk about it. 
He does fold. So let's, obviously, let's I, get how... Obviously, I knew that. He really thinks about it. He actually calls out Reardon exa- exact hand. The first thing he says is, you could have king, queen, king, jack, or king, ten with the king of diamonds. Yep. That's the first thing he says. Well, actually, what he says is, if you have those hands and I fold, it would be a huge punt. Yeah, that's That's, that's right. what he says. Yeah. But still, he's thinking of those hands right away. Yeah. I think what he's really trying to do is come up with what are the bluffs that Reardon can show up with here. Right. What's interesting to me is he is including a pair with all of those, yeah. right? He's not saying like king nine. Oh, king nine's a straight. King eight. King, king eight with the king of diamonds, yeah. right? Which like just took a shot and now has he's got... Not, he's not just saying the king of diamonds. Right. Yeah. By the way, the king of diamonds alone, though, is very similar to king 10 in terms of how it plays against coon's range anyway, right? Yeah, a little it, bit fewer outs if you get called. Two against, less outs. Against some of the range. Just two less outs, yeah. though. Um, but that's... So that's interesting, too, right? Because yeah. it's mostly about... But yeah, but, but he's like, well, the King of Diamonds is a card you would do this with. Yeah. And he's clearly right. The question is, what other hands, if you're Kuhn, would, do you think Reardon would do this with? Well, he also says you could have two kings with King of Diamonds. Right. Yeah, he feels like that's very clear. Yeah. And maybe he thinks that it's sort of similarly like, I'm not really sure what else to do. None of my options are great. Yeah. Now, is that true? Can we like play this out? Let's say we actually have two kings. As Reardon? Yeah. We could bet to try and get called by a queen or a jack, couldn't we? By ace queen with no diamond, or king queen with no diamond. Yep, we, we could. We block king queen with no diamond pretty heavily. We really do hardcore. So yeah. ace queen, we can go after ace jack if we bet small enough. I don't know if it's really going to. Ace jack's going to fold. Yeah, unless it's got the ace of diamonds in its hand. Yeah, um, we can charge the ace of diamonds though by betting. Also, this is charging it the most though, I guess. Yeah. Um, the problem, of course, with doing this with two kings is we may be in true game theory disaster land. Although. This hand exactly may, may call us. This is the one hand that may call us. Well, it folds, so maybe we are in game yeah. disaster land. But besides that, like, is a better hand going to fold? Hard to imagine. I don't if Kuhn's got queen-jack, is he folding? I, yeah, if he has jack-ten of spades and flop-two pair and didn't raise, which all feels rare that he wouldn't raise that, maybe he can find a fold with that. Well, the thing is, then he doesn't have the ace of diamonds. He doesn't block the, the nut blocker. Yeah. So then he may be like, you have now, you, now, you have the, now you have the ace of diamonds a lot, right? Yeah. You don't have to have anything else. So that's, that must be what's going through Kuhn's head, too, especially is that he has the nut blocker, which means that Reardon does not have the nut blocker. He takes away a lot of the bluffs. Yeah, so that means he's more value-heavy for sure. So now he thinks you're, all, you're not just doing it with the a naked king of diamonds. Well, actually, the naked king of diamonds is also open-ended. Yeah. But he, but he actually said he thinks Reardon's only three-betting him clearly with hands like king, ten, king jack, king queen, yeah. not king eight, right. not, king, not random kings. Yeah, that's right. So Reardon isn't going completely bananas, right. it seems. Do we think Reardon would do this with a set? Or ace-king, no diamond? Um, I think it's possible he would. I don't know that that's a good play with ace-king, no diamond. Wouldn't we just want to bet normal? Why do we... Like, we've got Broadway, and the like 20% of the time another diamond comes in, we're going to get it in if he's got... If he's got enough flush, he's going to get all... He's going to double through us. Like, that's just what's going to happen, right? That's Jason Kuhn. Like, he doesn't always have it if he shoves on us. Like, we're never going to fold the yeah. Broadway unless, unless a fourth diamond comes. Why do we want to try? Why are we so worried about protecting our equity rather than getting value? We should be trying to get value with Broadway. Well, I mean, it depends on Reardon, but it's possible that this could be for value too. Like with, with some of his hands, he could value shove, obviously. To get called by. I mean, so if he's much. never value shoving, then Kuhn should call with his hand, right? Right. No, I agree. But there are different hands to value shove with. And Ace King, it feels like too strong. I don't know if I agree. Like Kings, although Kings isn't really a value shove, Kings is more a protection shove, right? Yeah. I feel like if you've got Broadway, I say you, the royal you, not you, Grant Dennison. Like I've got Broadway. It's so it's such a bizarre play to bet 
two x the pot if you have. It's Broadway a bizarre there. play with any hand. But we could, but we can explain why we're doing it with some of the other hands, like like the hand he did it with. We actually sort of come to maybe this is good. But like if you got Broadway here, it is completely standard to bet you know sixty percent of the pot, seventy even eighty percent of the pot, and call off. Like you give the guy a chance with, if he has the ace of diamonds to make a play on you. It might be better to check. You give that's fine too, and then check check to check raise or check to check call. Call obviously. Check I mean, raising is garbage. I don't necessarily, Horrible play. I don't necessarily agree with you. Really? Yeah. Why do you think it's garbage? Because Jason Cook could have a flush very easily. And like you're Who just cares? your game theory disastering yourself. If you check shove. First of all, disagree strongly. He can have two pair and call it off. He can have other things and call it off. Jason Kuhn has a flush, it doesn't matter. He's getting all the chips either way. Okay, but it doesn't two, matter. The two pair thing, like he has like two combos of two pair. Queen ten suited, right? Queen Jack. I guess he could have Queen Jack. Yeah. yeah. So four combos of two pair. Yeah. It's I mean, how many, how many combos of the nut flush does he have that he plays this way? I don't know. It just feels like, it feels like it's a clear check call if we're going to check ace-king. I think it's fine to check call. But I don't think with, with these stack sizes, I think it's okay to check raise too. I hate it. Um, well, then, if you hate that, how can you like shoving 2x the pot with this It's hand? different because Jason Kuhn has not yet acted. It's a different scenario. We, can, we, we have a lot more fold equity here. It's important. But who cares if we have more fold? Like we're never folding out a flush either way, and we, we're happy to get called by everything else. Why would we, why why would we want more fold? Hand, I guess. So yeah, back to Ace King. Maybe maybe Ace King is not a candidate to do this with. Yeah, to your earlier point. Okay, cool. It just feels like it plays so much better a million other ways, and that's probably true with the set also. But a, a set is clearly a lot more vulnerable, like because there's yeah. open enders and stuff like that. Ace King isn't afraid of anything but a diamond, really. Yeah. Right? I mean, a board pairing card isn't great, but you'll just shake, you'll shrug your shoulders and, not, and put the chips in, basically, yeah. one way or another. If you check call, whatever it is, um, a diamond is the only really bad thing with Ace King. Um, yeah. So, if, okay. So, if we're not doing this with Ace King, are we going to shove 2x the pot with the set? Should we? Forget about are we. Should we? Let's start with that. If we're doing it with this hand, I think we should. Right, because we need to have some yeah. strength. I, I kind of agree with you. So I guess we just have to. Yeah. If we actually have a set, is that going to be... I guess if we're good enough, maybe we, we've figured this all out ahead of time. But if not, it's going to be really hard to be like, well, when, the times when I have King-10 with the King of Diamonds, I'm going to be shoving here. And some other hands, too. I'm going to be shoving 2x the pot, so I'm going to have to do that with my set now. Yeah. It just feels like you're lighting so much value on fire when you've got these super, super strong hands. I know? think it, it's a lot simpler than that yeah. from, from Reardon's perspective. And he's just like, well, I'd like to fold out a jack now, and this is the best way to do it. Right. And there's yeah. a 15 blind stack. Yeah. It's going to be really hard to call if you yeah. got a jack. And if he calls, maybe I have some equity, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah, unless he snap calls, I've got equity. If, he's got, if he turned two pair and he calls me, I still have a lot. Of, I still have reasonable equity here. Right. I think that's what's really going on. I agree. I agree. So back to Kuhn's decision. I mean, if we can eliminate a lot of those strong hands, I think what Kuhn did, and kind of, you, if you watch the video, you see him like going through the paces and figuring this stuff out to the best of his ability. And I think he starts getting in his own head a little bit about like, but but maybe you're doing this for value. I think he even says that at one point, mm. like like it doesn't seem like it could be for value, but he's like, but yeah. maybe you're like reversing yeah. me. You know, yeah. maybe you have the nut flush here, and you're like not the nut flush, but like a flush. You're doing it for value, you know. I mean, it seems so bananas that someone would do that. Now, Kuhn's been playing with this guy, and we haven't. Yeah. I don't know anything about this guy. The only thing I know about this guy is on the very first hand of this final table, he raised pre-flop. Kuhn called in the big blind with king three. The flop was king high, and the guy triple barreled all in with a blocker to the nuts. And Kuhn went call, call, thought for a long time, and called and got the double up. Uh, 
So all I know about this guy is he's, he's aggressive. He's very aggressive as the chip leader, and he's going to put you in a lot of tough spots, which makes me want to call more as Jason Kuhn, not less. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little surprised that Jason ended up folding. I'm really, really surprised, too. It's I think weird. he zeroed it on kings. I think that's what happened. He zeroed it on kings with the king of diamonds as a yeah. hand that you would do this with for equity protection and being like, well, he's doing it for equity protection, but he's actually got me in equity jail too. Right. Right. That is true. The kings is a real problem if he's got kings. I think that's, what he, that's why he folded. He, he thought that was his most likely holding. But remember, Jason at one, early on says the king 10, king jack, king queen with the king of diamonds. Yeah. So there's more combos of that than kings. I guess he convinced himself that kings were more likely. Yeah, that he's going to do it all the time with kings, only yeah. some of the time with those other hands. Like, I could see if the guy's got king-queen, him not choosing not to do that. Yeah. Right? Even though king-queen with the king of diamonds and kings with the king of diamonds is almost the same hand. Really. Not against Jason's hand. Not against Jason's hand. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Not against Jason's exact hand. Wow. But really, they play, from Reardon's point of view, they play pretty much the same. Yeah. Either way... Kuhn folds. I don't know what to make of this one. I don't either. I was so, so, I was so sure he was going to call when I watched this video. Um, like, I was a million percent sure he was going to call, and I was like, I don't even know why this is... I guess the, the interesting thing about this video is this guy's going for this crazy bluff. Yeah. You know, it was such a crazy overbet spot. Um, and I don't blame Jason for folding. I think he's got a more sophisticated thought process than either one of us does in the spot. You know, sure. we've had a little bit of contact with him and hearing him talk about poker. It's like, wow. Yeah. You know, that's way deeper than I go. Yeah. You know, so uh, I would never impugn him for this fold, but I'm shocked by this fold because I don't understand what happened really. Well, what happened is Jason Kuhn won the tournament anyway. I know. I'm so happy for that. That's great. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.